1 John chapter 1. Every week we record the sermon and we put it on Sermon Audio. That is a free website and an app where you can find the sermons. Uh, Also, if you look at the podcast player of your choice, you should be able to type in the name of our church and find the recording as well. I'd also like to encourage you, uh, this is a free book. If you want one of these, they're on the back table. This one is free. All of the books are not free, but this one specifically is free. Okay, It's called the Bible Promise Book, 1,000 Promises from God's Word. Okay, And you could take this, and this could be your Bible reading. You could start a wonderful habit of reading one or two of these every day, or maybe a page or two, depending on your um, desire and, 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 uh, and level. Um, but what, a, what an easy way to get started. Oftentimes what we do is we reinforce the negative. Our self-talk, we always reinforce the negative. It's cold. I'm sad. I'm lonely. It's like, well, okay, those things may be true, but how about we reinforce some promises from God? Right? How about we put in the good so that we can have a blessed life? Yeah, live by faith. Um, we walk by faith, but it doesn't come naturally. Right? Faith comes from the word of God. So we have to put it in in order for us to be able to, to go. Okay? Find peace by connecting to Christ in a search. You know, it's strange when you put in, in, a, in a photograph website, if you're trying to find something for a, a slide such as this, you put in the word peace, man, all kinds of things come up. Right, But it's interesting because it means different things to different people. For me, this is peace, maybe for some of you as well. Right? It looks like someone got up early in the morning. It's in a mountainous area, nice canoe, and a beautiful, peaceful lake. Right? Isn't that what we want? Don't we want peace? Don't we want peace in our heart? And, uh, and how do we get that? We get that through a connection with Christ. We're going to talk about that today in John 1 John, 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. We're going to just read in verse number 3. Verse number 3 and 4. 1 John 1, verse 3 and 4. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. These things write me unto you, that your joy may be full. How do I have a life full of joy? How do I have a life full of joy? Joy is not an emotion. Emotions go up and down, right? Happiness is based on happenings. Happiness is based on happenings. Joy is based on something that God gives me that's deeper than what's happening around me. Isn't that true? Okay, so how do we get that joy? That's what we're going to talk about today, that joy and that peace. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for an opportunity to worship you today by listening to your words. Speak to us. Build us in the faith. Show us the truth of the gospel. Help us to see the key to this peace and this joy is to have fellowship with you. Teach us how to do that. Please help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Uh, I'm going to slide over here just for a moment and show you a photo of something. Now, this was one of my, not this specific one, obviously, but when I was a kid, I remember getting one of these as a, as a birthday present, and I was so excited. And I remember ripping open the package and going, oh, I've always wanted one of these. I was maybe nine, ten, like those ages. And I remember reading the instructions and I remember putting in the batteries and I remember taking it out and having some fun. Now, if you're not sure what this is, this isn't a life-size vehicle. You couldn't drive that on the roads of Toronto. That'd be fun to try, but you'd have to pay for other people's cars if you tried to drive that on the roads of Toronto. This is a remote control car, right? Just a small little remote control car. You put the batteries in, takes like a million batteries, doesn't it? For the remote controller, it takes like 12. And then inside the, inside the, my parents refused to buy me presents that, 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 that required batteries. And I'm honestly not even sure how I got this. Maybe this is why they stopped buying presents that required batteries. But I remember, I remember this specifically. I remember the house. I remember, I remember, you know, my birthday's in August. By the way, keep that in the back of your mind, okay? Just, uh, but uh, I, I remember, I remember, I was so excited. You know, taking it out, just wah, and just ripping through the grass, and, and, uh, and driving around, and tormenting my brother and sister, you know, getting their ankles and all of that. But I remember something specific in the instructions, which I'm not even sure why I read the instructions, but I did. Open them up, found, and it said, warning. Do not drive your remote control car in the sand, in the water, or in wet sand. This person obviously didn't read the instructions. And I thought, I remembered that my mom was doing some gardening. We didn't have a wheelbarrow. We had one of those red flyer wagons, the red ones. You guys know what I'm talking about? The old school one that was made out of metal. And if you were wearing like shorts and it had sat out in the sun and you sat in that wagon, man, was it hot, right? And I remember she was working in the garden and she had that wagon full of wet sand. But here's the thing about little boys. Warnings don't always mean it's talking to me. Warnings are for other people, right? So I took my car and here's this, this wagon full of sand fresh sand, loose sand, and it's wet. And I remember taking the controller and pushing the go and the little wheels are spinning. All four wheels. And then I lower it into the sand. And all the sand starts spitting out the back, right? I'm thinking, oh man, this is so cool. This is so much fun. Those instructions don't know anything. It's working just fine. So I kept doing it. And I kept doing it. Of course, mom had no idea that I was spitting her sand all over the garage. Went to bed that night, woke up the next day, got my controller, turned on my car. 
didn't work. Something to do with wet sand and not super expensive electronics just don't mix. Turns out the instructions were right. The warning was right. Why is it that we don't have joy in our life? Why is it that we don't have peace in our life? Why is it that so many people really live very kind of somewhat empty, lonely lives? Sometimes people try, they try God, right? Or maybe they try church. Or maybe they even genuinely trust Christ as their savior. And they try to read the Bible a little bit. But it just seems like there's something that's missing. Where is this? Where is this joy that everyone, why, where is this peace? Where, where is that? Guys, if I can just say briefly, that is what we're seeing in 1 John chapter number one. The apostle John is specifically talking to the believers here. And we can see here in verse number four, his goal is for them to have the joy that he has. He wants them to have this joy. So this whole chapter, and really this whole book, but we're just going to look at this one chapter today. The goal is for them to have this joy, for them to live in this joy. Listen, it's not that they experience this joy as if it's just something that kind of touches their life and then goes away. That's the things of this world. That's what they offer, right? It's just a touch. It's just a flit of happiness. It's, a, it's an adrenaline rush. It's, it's a bit of excitement. It's a bit of happiness. But we can see here that this is a roadmap. This is a roadmap to joy. The first thing that we need to discuss is if you've never accepted Christ as your savior, this is the first step to experiencing joy, to living a life of joy and peace. Joy and peace is found in a person. It's not found in an experience. It's not found in, um, it's not found in, in, in something that you buy. It's not found in some kind of a relationship outside of Christ. It first and foremost primarily starts with your relationship with Jesus Christ. The devil has many counterfeits for the peace that comes through Christ alone. Romans 5 and verse number 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 15 and 13 says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Ephesians 2, 13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. He is our peace. Listen, peace comes from God. Amen. So if there is something that is separating us from God, that's why the peace does not come to us. We're seeing all things in the all things in the, in the news talking about the Suez Canal and the Panama Canal. And we're talking about that goods may go up, right? There's something that is blocking the flow of goods to various countries. 
And we think sometimes, why don't I experience this wonderful fellowship with God and have this joy and this peace? It's because something is blocking that. What blocks it? You don't need more religion. We don't need more religion. This world is full of religion. This world does not, we, we, don't, need to try, we don't need to try harder. We don't need to try to purify ourselves. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. Look at this, right where you are, 1 John. We're going to go to chapter 2 and look at the first two verses. First John chapter 2, verse number 2. My little children, now he's writing as unto his children. John, these are not literally his children, right? These are just his children in the faith, right? My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Verse number 2 is one of my favorites. And he is the propitiation for our sins. It points out that Jesus himself, Jesus himself was the offering that appeased God's justice for the sin of the whole world. There's something inside of us, even as human beings, when we see an injustice or we see somebody do a terrible crime or hear about a terrible crime, there's something inside of us that says, they ought to pay for that. Wouldn't you agree with that? Well, listen, that sense of justice in a human being comes straight from God himself. And if we as good human beings or as those who try to be lawful uh, uh, human beings, if there's something inside of us that cannot abide in justice, that we need to make sure that justice takes place. God is the one who has suffered at the hands of our sin. The relationship was fractured and broken, and yet God is the one who sent his son to die on the cross for us. And the sacrifice of Christ appeased the justice of God. He couldn't, listen, the sin was so egregious and so strong that came between us, he couldn't just forget about it. Hey, God couldn't just get over it. It had to be paid for. There was a penalty and the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's not through our religion. It's not through our baptism. It's not through our church. It's through a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. And once we, as it says here on our slide, once we accept that we are accountable to God for our actions, oftentimes we look at ourselves through all of the good things that we've done and we try to forget about the bad. But if we're honest with ourselves, we've never trusted Christ as our savior. We carry with us the awareness and the guilt of those things that we've done against our conscience and against God. We have to accept that we're accountable to God. We have to believe that Christ Jesus himself took our punishment on the cross and rose again from the dead to prove his victory over sin, death, and judgment. And only Jesus could have done this. He is God's son. He died for our sin, and three days later, he rose again for our justification. 
We are justified. We are set free. We are looked at as pure and clean and forgiven because he paid for our sin and then he rose again from the dead. The wages of sin is death. But my friends, Jesus died not for a sin he committed, but because he took our sin upon himself. We have to accept that by faith. John 20, verse 31. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Romans 10. And verse number 11 says, For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. And we do that by calling on him in prayer. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Call on Jesus in prayer, asking Jesus to save you. We're going to look at that point here in just a moment. We're going to go back to this slide. The first step in getting peace and finding peace is recognizing that peace comes from a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Can you go back to that day? Can you go back to that time? You may not remember the specific date, but there has to be a time, right? Uh, sometimes, you know, husbands get a lot of uh, grief because they don't always remember their anniversary. Okay, but guess what? I remember I'm married. We don't get any credit for that, do we, fellas? <laughs> what day did you get married? Uh... At least I remember the woman I married and I know I'm married today, right? I'd be in big trouble and I ought to be if I, if I don't remember that. Guys, the same thing's true as a Christian. I know I've trusted Christ as my savior. And sometimes we may not remember the exact moment or the exact date or the, some people know the time, the day, cloudy, sunshine. I mean, they remember what they're wearing. They remember the cologne they were wearing. I mean, they remember everything. Fantastic. Good for you. That's awesome. Right? But the fact is, we have to know that it happened. We have to know there was a time when we received Christ. I said yes to him. He said yes to me. He came into my heart. He forgave me. He saved me. And my life has never been the same. My life has never been the same. Amen. That has to happen if you're going to have peace. Why? Because peace doesn't come from something we manufacture. It comes from him. It flows from him. And though I've been saved by grace, that is fixed. That will never change. He's given us the gift of eternal life. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sin of many. And when he gives us that gift of eternal life, if I mess up, it doesn't mean the gift is gone. It just means the flow of joy and peace has been interrupted by my actions. Yeah? Uh, there is a day when both my son and my daughter were born. But through their actions, and because I'm a human being, sometimes through my actions, sometimes our relationship may not be amazing. So if they fix their actions and I fix my actions, then everything is nice and peaceful. Right? They don't have to become born once again, and let's visit the hospital, we just simply have to fix the relationship, right? Well, God never sins. So if there's a problem between my relationship and God and I don't have that peace flow, well, that means it's my fault. 
But through his grace and his love, he can very specifically point and say, this is what we need to fix. That's what we find in 1 John chapter 1. That was all introduction. Say, like, oh, pastor, goodness. All right, well, let's take a look. We're going to jump right into verse 1. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled, of the word of life. Okay, now this is by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Okay, but it's the Apostle John talking about himself and the other leaders of the church, the other apostles, talking about they physically saw and followed Jesus Christ. That's what it's saying in verse number one. Okay? We can't do that. We cannot physically follow. Jesus is not going to come walking in here physically in his body and we follow him around the way the apostles did. Okay? So notice in verse number two, for the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. Again, that eternal life is describing a person. It's not describing a church. It's not describing a religion. It's describing a person. Salvation, eternal life is in a person. It's in Jesus Christ. Okay? So how do I experience this peace and this joy in my life. Well, listen, if I'm waiting for Jesus to show up physically in my life in order to experience that joy, it's not going to happen. It's just not the way it works. That's okay. Right? We must not misplace our hope. Hope deferred, it says in Proverbs. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Delayed hope. I'm putting my hope, putting my hope, putting my hope. Oh, I, I want to have peace and joy in my, in, in my life if God will heal that person and if he will do this miraculous thing and if I can see amazing handwriting on the wall. Some people want to walk around and see God do these supernatural amazing things every single day. And it's like, that's not the way he works. He does do supernatural things every day, but we need to make sure that our hope is set in what the instructions actually say. Right? So he says in verse three, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. So now they're saying we've seen it, we've heard it, and now we are coming to deliver the message. We're coming to deliver what we've seen and heard from the person Jesus Christ in whom is eternal life. We see that. And what are they going to teach? It says, verse three, that ye also may have fellowship. Now, fellowship with two, and we're going to look at this. Fellowship with two parties, with us and with the Father. Okay, so 1 John chapter 1 is talking about fellowship. What is fellowship? Fellowship is community, joint participation, the share which one has in anything, closeness, Okay, intimacy is in a friendship sort of a way is what it's talking about. All right. Um, But we're talking about where we enjoy participation and closeness with one another and with God. Now, if we, you would think if we would have this close connection and participation and communication with God and with one another, that would solve a lot of problems in this world. Would we be lonely? 
Not in the same way, certainly not. Right? Would we have joy? Yeah, it says so. Would we have peace? Yeah, it absolutely would. So I need to know what the instructions say regarding having this connection, this fellowship. Notice in verse 1 and 2, the Apostle John is describing his experiences. He's describing his experiences with Jesus. But he's not saying, guys, in order for you to experience fellowship with Jesus, you have to experience the same thing that I have experienced. It's not possible because Jesus has ascended into heaven. So we need to understand that enjoying this joy and this peace is not you replicating exactly the experiences that I've had in my life. Right? It's not me hearing a story about an amazing Christian who's had amazing interactions with God and saying, okay, I've got to do exactly just like that person did. No, the recipe says something different. He says that he also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Fellowship is with a person, is with Jesus Christ. When we're trying to fellowship, we're not looking for a feeling, we're looking for a person. When we're trying to worship, we're not, listen, worship is not searching for a feeling. Worship is searching for a person. It is I'm seeking after the Lord as the, as the song uh, that we just sang, as the deer pants after the water, so my soul longs after thee. Because when I'm connected with God, my soul is satisfied. When I'm connected with him, all the deep longings, guys, in the, the human heart is complicated. There are things that our heart longs for and aches for and is hungry for. And we can't even really specifically explain what's missing. But here's the thing. We have an enemy. And he will offer lots of suggestions as to what we're missing. He will say, well, you need to become famous. Isn't it interesting how many famous people, all they want is solitude. Fame doesn't fill that void. What about money? Well, that'll fill it. You just need to look for that one stock or you need to become a YouTuber and strike it, strike it rich or a TikToker. Is that what they're called? I don't even know, right? Or whatever the latest thing is. Or maybe pleasure. You need to find the pleasure. You need to hunt down a pleasure and search the world over for a pleasure. Hmm? Substances, they're coming out with new substances all the time. Something you can try that'll give you that zip, that'll give you that high, or give you a, a mellow and a high, if that's even possible. I don't even know. It's just, what, what are we doing? What are we doing to ourselves as human beings? Listen. There is a God-sized hole in the soul, in the heart of every person. And nothing will fill it except for God. How do we fill it? With fellowship. When we're looking for fellowship, we're not trying to search for a feeling. We're not trying to feel a Jesus high. Come on now, I've had people tell me that before. Well, I became a Christian, I come to church and I don't feel high. That's not the way it works. That's a chemical thing. This is a spiritual thing. That's different. 
Amen. Help me out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So when I'm looking for fellowship, I'm worshiping a, a person. God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So we're, see, we're seeking for him. We're looking to connect with a person. Next we can see, the first thing is we're connecting with a person. The next thing that we see is he's talking about we, we the apostles. He keeps on using this we. He doesn't say I, he says we. Sometimes he says my, as in chapter two, verse one, but he's constantly talking about we experienced this and we saw that and we heard that and we and we and we. And now I'm teaching you and I want you to experience the same joy that we have experienced. There's a we, okay? That means, my friends, the apostle John was trying to draw them with the truth of God's word into the same joy that he and the other apostles experienced. Well, I've got my own beliefs about that. That's not in the Bible. And whatever little zip and joy that person may be experiencing is not authentic. It's fake. It's a fake joy. Amen. He's saying, guys, I'm not, I'm not wanting you to go out there and find your own way. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm finding my own path. No. The biblical way to fellowship with God is for you to learn the path that was laid down by Jesus himself. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man come to the Father but by me. But by me. Why would we go out and try to find another way? My friend, we must humble ourselves and realize, hey, you know what? It's a whole lot easier to just go and buy a cell phone than to say, you know what? I think I can invent a better one. Well, maybe you can, but I can't. I'm just going to go buy one. Satan is a master at trying to get us to devise a new way to that peace and that joy. The way isn't a person. We must accept that person, seek after that person, follow that person, find out what that person says about how to connect with God in relationship with him. And the apostles were used by the Lord. They had leaders. These believers had leaders. Now we can see here they're apostles. They're not priests. I'm not a priest. I'm not the go-between between you and God. That's you. We believe in the priesthood of the believer. You can pray to God. You don't need my prayers in order to connect with God. Praise the Lord. Pastor, I want you to pray for me. I will. But are you praying too? Because he'll listen to you. We have now a great high priest, a high priest that's been passed into the heavens. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace. Yeah, that promise is for you. That promise isn't for the pastor. That's for all believers. But God does have a role for leaders. God does have a role for leaders. And listen, my friends, not to take this farther than what the text is saying, but the apostle John is basically saying, look, we know how to connect with God. Please allow us humbly. Please allow us. Not me, because there is no private interpretation when it comes to the scripture. 
There's not just one guy out there or one woman out there or one priestess out there or one deaconess or one prophetess that knows out there how to connect with God truly. And you've got to come to my place and it's going to cost you 50 bucks, by the way. Come on now. There are false prophets. They're everywhere. And he's saying, hey, I know how to do this. Peter knows how to do this. James knows how to do this. We. We need to be teachable. We need to be led. Sometimes when we are struggling and connecting with God, it's because we won't let someone who knows how to connect with God teach us how to connect with God. Are you teachable? Are you teachable? Hey, I suggest maybe not based on experience, but based on this is what God's word says. And I followed it. And guess what? It works. And not just for me, but for April and for Brother Milio and for Brother Mark and on and on we could go. We're calling into you into a fellowship. There it is. A fellowship of we, a fellowship of us, a fellowship of a group of dedicated believers who know Christ saved them and who loves the Lord. And we're drawing in the new believers into what we are already actively doing and experiencing. By By the way, you know what that's called? It's called the church. That's what a church is supposed to be. It's connection with one another, but it's connection with him. And God has appointed leaders, not lords over God's heritage, not bosses, just under shepherds, baby shepherds, little shepherds. We need to be led. We need to be taught. Man, this is good stuff. Man, this is good stuff. We can see that the next we, the group, the church, one of the greatest tests of whether or not you are deceiving yourself and truly walking with God is if you can fellowship Oh my goodness, I need to say this again. We've got a lot of experts out there. We're all, we're, all, we're all enticed into being an expert. We're all enticed into having a relationship with God away from the local church. And God designed for all of these like, a net, like Russian nesting dolls to kind of fit inside of one another. There's a system that he's devised. And it's so interesting watching people because sometimes, occasionally you'll have people that have been internet Christians or for, 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 for years. Well, I've watched online. And in their minds, they are awesome Christians. They're awesome Christians. Because they feel good about themselves. But here's the thing. Their Christianity doesn't seem to really fit into any Bible-believing church anywhere. My friends, that's not, that is not fellowship with God. That's fellowship with yourself. One of the greatest tests of whether or not you and I are deceiving ourselves and truly walking with God is if you can fellowship with Jesus in a Bible preaching church. If I can have an amazing experience, a spiritual, we love that, people love that word, Amazing spiritual experience outside of church. And when I come into a Bible preaching church, excuse me. And it's not that it's not that you don't know anybody. It's not that person doesn't know anybody. It's just that the large majority of what they believe and experience isn't 
does, is not compatible with what we, as a Bible-preaching church, when we have connected to Scripture, we've connected with God, it's completely different. Well, how do you explain that? He explains that. Verse number five. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God's not the problem. God is light. God is light, right? He's not the problem. He is purity. He is truth. The problem's not on his side. Okay, so if the problem's not on his side, verse six, if we say, there it is, if we say we have fellowship with him, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. How easy is it to say that we walk in fellowship with him? I love God. I guarantee you that if you picked out 20 people walking down the street, a number of them would say, you believe in God? Yep. You love God? Yeah, sure. You ever trusted Christ as your savior? Get away from me. <laughs> oh, Okay. I choose to believe my own spiritual practices. So you're saying that you're walking in darkness, meaning you're not following scripture, but you still think you fellowship with God? We lie and do not the truth. What does that mean? It means you're lying to yourself. Now here's the question. Can we lie to ourselves? Absolutely. We're very good at it, actually. <laughs> We're very good at lying to ourselves. That's why the test is scripture. What does it actually say? And if there's a group of Bible believers who are trying, no one's perfect, but they're trying to do what it says. And we're trying to mesh in and figure it out and kind of test it out. And it's like, well, the church believes different about that. Maybe we should consider that perhaps if it's a Bible preaching church, that the Bible and those who believe it, maybe there, maybe we should, maybe Maybe we should think, well, maybe, maybe they're walking in the light. Maybe, maybe I'm walking in a little more darkness than I realize. Maybe I have deceived myself. But if we walk in the light, it says in verse seven, as he, you see the fellowship once again, as he is in the light, where is Jesus? He's in the light because there is no darkness in him. I cannot walk in darkness and fellowship with Christ. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. I've been out of church for five or six weeks. Um, but, I, but me and God, we're cool. That's not true. How can you say that? Are you judging me? No, the Bible says that if you're walking in darkness, then you don't have fellowship with the light. I'm not saying that. That says that. Right? Well, of fellowship one with another... Verse seven, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That, that, is, that is not a repayment for sin. That is just an active relationship cleansing. It's a recognition. It's a recognition. I'm, I'm coming to him. I'm recognizing I need him. I'm recognizing that he is what makes me worthy and able to walk with the father. Christ is the one that does that. We have a lot more notes to go through. We're not going to do that. 
I'd like to read verse number eight and nine, and then we'll be done. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, there's our verse, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. My friends, do you have fellowship with the Father? Is there some sin that is stopping the flow of that peace and the joy into your heart? Something that's greater than whatever's going on in your life. You can still, you can still enjoy the peace and love of God in your, in your soul and in your spirit. There's a peace that passes all understanding. Written by the Apostle Paul, who was in jail when he wrote that. Right? Do you have that peace and that joy? Do you have fellowship with the Father? When you come to church, do you feel completely disconnected to everybody? Do you feel completely disconnected to God? Everybody bow your heads, please, and close your eyes. Are you trying to connect with Jesus? First question is, my friend, if you die today, are you sure that you'd go to heaven? Have you ever trusted Christ as your Savior?